Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Um, we were with uh, Pastor Joaquin in an event and their children, their wonderful children, in um, Schulenburg, Texas. And... Uh, Actually, Nick wanted to have a private session with me to rub it in that the Miami Heat beat the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> but he was very gracious and didn't do that. But uh, we love you all. We're so glad to be here today. I start back to school on the 21st of August, actually the 12th of August with my teachers. So please pray for us. This year I'm at a private Christian school. Uh, I'm a principal there, and, you know, it's tough there, too. They, we encounter uh, people who say they know God, but they don't. But it's a great time to minister, too. So thank you for having us this weekend, and God bless you. Thank you, dear. Thank you, Ro. One man knows what to do. She really is blessed. She has six of our 12 grandchildren in school under her every day of the week. Uh, she gets to see her grandchildren five days a week. So I'm a little envious, but I, uh, I do get to come up to the school once a month and, and cook uh, char-grill burger, hamburgers. Now, we're having barbecue today by Fernanda, and we're from Texas, and we know barbecue, so... Some of you that leave, don't come back because I like barbecue. <laughs> anyway, well, I want to thank Pastor Joaquin and Yvette Molina for their friendship, their love for the Lord, their uncompromising lifestyle of serving the Lord with all their heart, all their soul, and all their mind. And uh, what a wonderful, wonderful church that God has raised up here. I shared with the staff uh, Friday night that we've traveled around the world, been in, I think, 50 to 70 countries together and uh, interacted with thousands of churches. And God's done something special here because we've never been loved and served the way this church loves us and embraces us. So we want to thank you. I was here just about a year ago, and um, I came in from from Chile, and Pastor met me at the airport, and we got in the car, and he said, now, Jack, tell me what you want to do. And I said, Pastor, I need to rest. I just need a few days just to get my strength back and my stamina. I've been traveling, ministering several times a day, and I'm, I'm tired. He said, okay, I, I want to do what you want to do. Now, tonight, Monday night, there is a, a men's group. Tuesday night, there's another men's group. And Wednesday night, we have a one of our midweek services. And Thursday night, we have a, another midweek service. And Friday is the uh, youth. And Saturday night is the college and career. And, of course, Sunday morning is the two services. I said, that's a little much for me. It's okay, I'll let you off Friday night. And uh, I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm grateful to be a small part of what God's doing here. But can I tell you, he used me like a rented mule. 
He got his money's worth. And I loved it. And I loved telling that. But when we were um, in South Africa together, uh, several of us, and also let me introduce our dear friends who've driven down from Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Clifford and Patricia Hare, would you stand? They'll be leaving right after the service, so if you can throw them a couple of ribs in a sack, I'm sure they'd appreciate it. To, they have to drive back. And then uh, my longtime friend, John Freeman, who attends here at Spring of Life. John. But uh, Joaquin was talking about um, being gone this month, a couple of weeks in a row. And I said, well, uh, there's been a couple of your people on Facebook asked me when I'm coming back. And I said, uh, it's really been a busy year, so... You know, maybe one of those Sundays. And he said, well, let me check on it. So he did. And he, he got back with me and I said, now, let me tell you, here's the deal. I'll come. But here's what I really feel uh, that the Lord has put on my heart. And that's what I want to minister on this morning. Because we came this weekend with one goal in mind is to let you know how much God loves you and how much we appreciate you. So, and the reason is, is your church has impacted our life, our family, and our ministry. And it's, it's because of your love and the character of Christ in you, your heart to serve, and... You just exemplify kingdom greatness. And I said, Pastor, I want to love on your people. We want to speak into their lives. We want to encourage them. Uh, we want to exhort them. We want to let them know that this church is changing the world. You, you may not realize that right now you're changing the world because you have sent the gift that God has given to you in the ministry and heart of Pastor Joaquin Molina and his wife, Yvette, and their children, their family. When you send them, you're changing the world, even though you're here. But the fact that you sent them, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead in John 20, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. It's all... Part of our walk is about sending, equipping. Uh, our pastor in Tulsa, the late Pastor Billy Joe Doherty at Victor Christian Center, his theme and motto was win them, train them, send them. And that's what they did. And that church, Victory Christian Center, has sent literally thousands around the world. Every country we've been in, someone has come up to me and go, didn't you go to Victory in Tulsa? And it was absolutely amazing. You see, in Isaiah 59:19, I don't know if they got that scripture. I can't read that back there. The part that I'm wanting to emphasize, he said. Isaiah says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. 
Here's the part. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against the enemy. You see, we have this declaration in the men's ministry, in Faithful Men's Ministry, that, and Edwin Cole coined this, that manhood and Christlikeness are synonymous. So womanhood and Christlikeness are synonymous. The standard is Christlikeness. See, what you have in the gift of Pastor Molina is he is raising up a standard that's supposed to be normal for a church. You see this uncompromising word that God brings you through this gift of Pastor Molina. It's truth. It draws the line. It establishes the boundaries and says, walk ye in it. That's not a real popular message. And people come and go because they can't handle the truth. But that's the standard. Truth came to this earth. Truth was crucified on a cross, but truth rose from the dead. Because truth is the only thing that met, sets us free, makes us free, and opens up the door into heaven. And it's because of the gift of forgiveness. It's the central theme to our faith. It's sown through and through the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to minister on that this morning, I don't think. But what I want you to understand, and I, I'm sure many of you do, but other churches, this is not their standard. I'm telling you, I've been in thousands and thousands of churches in 26 years. And when you send him out, when you send them out, when you send this family out, they are reminding the world that God had, has raised up a standard. This is what a church, this is what a ch is supposed to be normal. This is supposed to be the standard, not the exception, not an anomaly. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is this like any other church around I'm not saying anything against them. I'm just saying we got to stand for what Christ did on the cross. And we wouldn't be here if Christ, if God hadn't loved us and Christ hadn't gave it his life. He, he stepped down out of the throne and became a human. He became a man. He wasn't God on this earth. He was a man born through a woman. But the key is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwelled in him. That's what empowered him. That's why he said, you'll do greater works because it's the exact same spirit, the Holy Spirit. I know they call him the Holy Ghost, but I don't like the term ghost. I like the Holy Spirit because we are a spirit. We have a body. We have emotions. We have a mind. We have a will. But none of that is relevant if you don't have the spirit of the living God 
that consumes you and drives you and causes you to relentlessly pursue his presence. You're changing the world. Every place he goes to, you know the first response when they hear Pastor Joaquin. Oh, he's a little strong there. You know, he's like a little legalistic. No, no, it's the truth. It's the truth. What are you reading? What do you read into your Bible? Why don't you live the life that he's declaring the standard? Why? Because we accept excuses. The enemy will always give you an excuse and a way out to not fulfill the will of God and the purpose of God. So the title of the message today is, turn to your neighbor and say, no excuses. See, our, our gratitude confirms our relationships. How could we ever be ungrateful when someone does something for us and we don't say Thank you. It's very simple. There's no excuse for not being grateful. Absolutely none except selfishness, self-centeredness. Many of you know that when my father was murdered, I went on a relentless pursuit for two years to solve his murder. My reaction was normal to someone who's not filled with the Holy Spirit. See, we talk about the Spirit and the Word talks about the flesh. And flesh is just your life, yours and mine's life, out from under the control of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean I'm not a Christian if I'm walking in the flesh. It means I'm not surrendering to the lordship of not only Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead wants to dwell in us. Regrets come from not doing something you know you should do. Regrets are terrible. You see, when my father was murdered, Betty and I were Sunday school teachers in the Methodist church. We were raised in the Methodist church. We were the youth sponsors for the youth. It's not like we were total heathen. And this murder and hate and anger that was in my heart that drove me to carry two guns under my Shoulder weapon, two shoulder weapons. Caused me to try to plan of how I could murder this man and get away with it because he did. I look back and have a lot of regrets. But you know, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if I didn't get, have the revelation that God directs my steps. See, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, 
It says, trust in the Lord with part of your heart. Well, that's what we do. I mean, how can you have secret sin in your heart and trust in the Lord with all your heart? See, trust can only be extended to the degree of truth and no more. So for us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, we have to believe the word of God, which is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So why do we walk outside the boundaries of what's clearly established and laid out in the word of God that gives us every answer to everything that ever confronts us? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Acknowledge him. And in all thy ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways. What are your ways? It's just the way of life that you live, the place you live, where you work, your neighborhood, uh, the grocery store, the state, the city, the government laws, the that's our ways, and your ways here may be different than your ways if you were back in Cuba or if you were from Russia or if you were from anywhere in South You understand what I'm saying? Because in Isaiah 55, the Lord said to Isaiah, my ways are above. My words are are above. So now the word says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he shall. That's a command in my Bible. He shall direct your paths. So why would we go about our life doing things our way and maybe not stop often enough to acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. I had to go to the hospital because I had an infection in my foot. It's obvious that part of my way at that moment was I needed medical help. I needed medical knowledge. I needed medical attention. I needed an antibiotic shot to get the infection out of my foot. Because I was flying out of town the next day to Michigan to do a commissioning. And when the doctor, when the surgeon said, you have gangrene in your foot and we need to amputate your leg. I'm like, I came in here for a shot. And he said, if we don't amputate your leg and the gangrene infection gets in your bone in your tendons, in your foot, you'll die. Now, that's a long ways from getting a shot and thinking you're flying out of town the next day. To, you're going to die, boy. <laughs> you don't do this. And Betty and I prayed, and we felt we didn't have peace about him cutting my leg off to 
get rid of the infection? Not at all. And we told the surgeon, let's give God a chance. You see, what's interesting in Proverbs 3 is we've, since the early days of beginning in the ministry under Dr. Cole, we're taught to read a chapter in Proverbs every day and a chapter in Psalms every night for wisdom in the morning and peace at night. And the day we went to the hospital, and I was admitted to the hospital, was February 3rd. So this is the chapter, Proverbs 3. See, everything we need in the, is in the Word of God, no matter what you're facing. And you may not realize this, and I don't know if I shared it last year, but can you pull up Proverbs 3.26, the King James? This is the word that I read that morning. This is the chapter, Proverbs 3.26. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. I mean, do you know how to hear God? I'll take that as a word for me. I'd read that chapter every month on the third for 26 years. Never saw that. You know, it says that God would meet our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I guess the reason I never saw that is I didn't have the need to see that then. But I need that so that the assurance of the Lord could be my confidence. Doesn't make any difference what the enemy is trying to bombard you with, what excuse he's trying to give you. There's a word, there's a principle in the kingdom of God. That's why we must make disciples. That's why we must be discipled. We must study to show ourselves approved as unto God. Because you can't live life, much less live it more abundantly without the revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ revealing his heart and the abundant life that he has for us. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you'd have life. And he didn't end it right there, but he could have. He could have just said, I came you'd have life and we could celebrate until eternity comes. But apparently, there's something besides just living life and living it more abundantly. And I believe the difference is, is walking in the revelation of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that when you and I will trust in him with all of our heart, and acknowledge him in all our ways, he shall direct our steps. I'm telling you, the journey that we've been on since God revealed that revelation to us has been absolutely the greatest adventure that you could ever write about or hope for. And I'm slowly writing a book about that adventure and the working title is The Heart of the Father. All through the Bible, person after person, 
made excuses why they weren't qualified to do what God was calling them to do. There's too many scriptures, but you know what I'm talking about. All through, person after person after person that God spoke to, you know, Gideon, mighty man of valor. Where? But how many times when God speaks to us of something to do, a very gentle, not a, thus saith the Lord. Woke that guy up back there. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. But the enemy's always going to tell you, you're not qualified. You can't do that and bring something up from your past. Well, that's the moment and the opportunity for you and I to say, thanks for reminding me of the past. Let me remind you of your future. Let me remind you of the blood that my past is under. So my question is, is who disqualified you to do the will of God? Who disqualified you? God says before you and I were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us. And in Psalms, David said, before I was formed in my mother's womb, surely you wrote every day of my life. I think it's Psalms 116. 19, he said, surely you saw my unformed substance and every day of my life was written in a book. Did you know there's a book? Did you know I shared last night with uh, some of the uh, uh, friends that we were able to gather with that most of us don't realize Revelation 20, verse 12 says that in that day, all the, all the dead, the great and the small, will stand before God and the books were opened. Wow. We all know about the book of life, right? But it says, and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life. And all the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Well, if it was just a book of works, it wouldn't have said books because there's a book of destiny, there's a book of remembrance, and there's a book of tears and a book of works. See, there's more to this life. God does know every thought, every deed, every word, and it's being recorded. The last, Betty, what was the last chapter we decided last night? Uh, Malachi. Uh, let's see, where is the scripture uh, bring all the tithes into the storehouse? Malachi 3.10. Go down to Malachi 16 or 17. Here we go. Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Now go to the next verse. And they, 
that feared the Lord and spoke often one to another in the fear of the Lord. Shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels and will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serves him. It's the book of remembrance. How many of you knew that? Joaquin hadn't touched on that yet. I wonder, go back to the 16th verse. I wonder what that's, I wonder what that sounds, what does that look like in heaven? Can you just picture, sometimes I, I wonder things, you know, like what was Adam thinking when the snake started talking to him? You know, that's cool. Never had a talking snake. <laughs> anyway. What does this sound? Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. Well, that's interesting. Why would he say then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another? When he said, then they spoke one to another. What, what if you took that out? And they spoke often one to another, and the Lord heard them. Doesn't he hear everything? Yeah. But there's a reason it says, then they that feared the Lord spoke off one another. When you and I walk in the fear of the Lord, our conversation and our words are different than when we're speaking and not walking in the fear of the Lord. You and I can say some pretty stupid things. But when you walk in the fear of the Lord, I remember Kenneth Copeland said that when he found out, he said he used to cuss all the time. But when he found out he was going to be accountable for every word, he said, I didn't have much to say for a while. Because he was now in the fear of the Lord. See, when you and I speak the word of God, when it's the word that's speaking life to someone, whether it's a prayer, whether it's an encouragement, whether it's an exhortation, whether it's just expressing the love of God to someone, that's when we are walking in the fear of the Lord. That's what God hears. Because when he hears your words and you're declaring the word of God, then it obligates him to fulfill the word of God and the will of God for your life. When you and I obey the word, when we walk in truth and we stand on the word, it obligates God to fulfill his word because he said, I'll be debtor to no one. You declare the word and you're dependent on him and he's going, no, nah, ain't doing it this time. You know, when you're walking in the fear of the Lord, you talk and speak completely different. So, and the neat thing about it is, it says, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. Well, what's the difference between hearken and heard? I mean, if... If somebody dropped some dishes back there and they all broke, we would hear that, right? But what would you all do if they dropped a whole stack of dishes? What's the first thing you'd do? You'd all turn around and look. Everybody's hit. You with me? Or? That's hearken. That's hearken. It gets your attention. Then you hear. Then you listen, you hearken. It says when 
They that feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened. In other words, it got his attention. He goes, hey, did you hear that? And so I was kind of wondering, what does that look like in heaven? Because how many million or billion people, I don't know how many are walking in the fear of the Lord and speaking the word, but, you know, if it's more than 10, I can't listen to all of them at the same time, but God can. I can hear them, but I can't listen. I can't understand. So I'm thinking that this is what it might look like in heaven. That when you speak the word of God, when you speak life, when you go to minister healing to someone and you pray and you speak life to them to encourage them, here's what happens in heaven. Did you hear that? Write his name down. That's the King Jack translation. I think she's giving us King James. But I bet you didn't know that every time you do that, your name is written in the book of remembrance. That's good news. Amen? Isn't everything Jesus said good news? Well, here's one I've never been able to get a shout about, an amen or a hallelujah or a praise the Lord. In Luke 17, 1, they can pull that up because they told me how fast they, I'm telling you, you're amazing. And Jesus, this is red letter print. Can you make that red? No, I'm kidding. Then Jesus said unto the disciples, it's impossible that offenses, well, that's not right. It's impossible that offenses will not come. It's impossible, but that offenses will come. You could say it either way. It's impossible that offenses aren't going to come. It's absolutely. How many times did Jesus say the word impossible? How many times did he say all things are possible? Paul said all things are possible. But this is one of the few places that Jesus tells the disciples it's impossible that offenses will not come. Nobody's shouting. Nobody's saying, oh, hallelujah, that's good news. I'm gonna, there's going to be offenses come against me. There's going to be people do stuff to me. Why is this good news? Nobody knows. Because here's the good news. But woe unto him through whom they come. In other words, when something's done to you, it's not woe unto you. It's woe unto them through whom they come. Because he said it's better that a millstone will be hung around their neck. What he's talking to them about is, look, I'm trying to give you a heads up, guys. This is what he's saying. I'm trying to let you know. You know, people are going to wrong you. People are going to hurt you. But don't use it as an excuse not to fulfill your calling and fulfill your purpose on this earth. Because there's a difference between offenses and being offended. 
It's an offense until you receive it, accept it into your heart, carry it around, walk around with it, go home with it, go to bed with it, come to church with it. That's when you acknowledge and get in agreement with the devil that somebody else has greater influence and power in your life than the Word of God. See, God is our refuge. God is our fortress. Who disqualifies you to not fulfill the Word of God? There's only one, and it's always the enemy, and he uses people. And when you and I can divide and sort out the difference between who our enemy really is, it's not people. When I found my dad shot through the heart and through the head twice, I made a vow to him. I didn't understand that there was a vow of vengeance and the Lord said vengeance is mine. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand I had taken and made a vow of vengeance. And that was that I would track his murderer down and see that he paid for what he did. As many of you have read the book Murder for Hire, which I don't know if they have them in the bookstore. Now, we didn't bring any with us, but the rest of the story is that when I went to an Ed Cole meeting and went forward to forgive my dad's partner who had him murdered, the Lord told me, now you go to him and ask him to forgive you. And I'm like, let me get this right. I need to go to him and tell him I forgive him. He said, no. You go to him and you ask him to forgive you. And I knew it was because I had murder in my heart. And I said, well, God, I'm sorry. I can't. What you're asking me to do is humanly impossible. And he said, good. My grace will be sufficient. I didn't understand it. Until years later, I realized that until you and I get to that place in our life that maybe things are so bad and so rough and so much is coming against us, and at that point, we finally say, I can't do this without you, God. I didn't realize that was really what I was saying. I told God that what you're asking me to do is humanly impossible. Of course it is. <laughs> it's not in our nature to forgive other people. Our nature is to pay back, want them to pay, want them to say, I'm sorry, come crawling up the aisle to us and beg our forgiveness and repent and still have to pay for what they did. That's our flesh out from under the control of the Holy Spirit. I said, if this is going to be you, God, you're going to have to do it. I ain't interested going down the road and tell somebody else that. Well, you see, the night Betty sent me to the grocery store and sent me to a particular meat market, not a grocery store, to get her some ground beef. I said, honey, Safeway is right down the street. She said, 
We're having our family ministry luncheon tomorrow. I want good ground beef. Well, I'd read Maximize Manhood, so I went. It was late on a Saturday night about 9 o'clock. And I drove right by my dad's partner's business that he now owned Lock, Stock, and Barrel. And it was consumed in flames. It was on fire. And I did what none of you would do. I said, yes. And the Holy Spirit said, go to him. He's there. Ask him to forgive you. And I did. And I realized at that moment, finally, for the first time in my life, it was no longer I that was living, but Christ in me. I had finally died to self. And that's the only way Christ can live in you and through you. You, Paul said, I die daily to my flesh. I've tried that once a day thing and it didn't work because it's moment to moment, situation to situation. That's why that scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart all the time. You see, when I asked him to forgive me, then these words came out of my mouth. If you died tonight, do you know where you'd go? And he said, no. And I said, then we got to pray. And we prayed the prayer of salvation. And he gave his heart to Christ. And we hugged each other and began to sob and weep and wail and cry. And the Holy Spirit said, now we got the vengeance. See, you and I want vengeance against people. God's vengeance is always against the kingdom of darkness. You see, if you acknowledge him in all your ways, you don't know how many are being snatched out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the vengeance. God wants. It's not against us. It's not against people. He gave his only begotten son. Why do you and I think we deserve justice? We deserve vengeance on who paid for it. That's why I wrote that book. Because I felt like he needed to pay. Every chapter I wrote in there, somebody's going to pay for this. Somebody's going to pay for this. Somebody's going to pay for this. But the last chapter is somebody did pay. His name is Jesus. And he's worthy. He gave it all. He came down and said, I'm going to show you by example how to live this life, how to love your creator with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. The devil will always give us excuses for not being better men, better women, better husbands, better wives. Well, she's this. Well, he's that. Better fathers. You know, that kid will never learn. A better mother. I'm telling you today, remove your excuses. It'll change your circumstances. Quit making excuses. But are you willing 
Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to say, right now, today, tell me what it would be like tomorrow if today I had you write down every excuse you've ever used to not do something, especially when it comes to God because you didn't think you could do it. Oh, I couldn't do God. You know, I, I can't speak God. I stutter. Hello, Moses. Gideon, like, what are you talking about, mighty man of valor? Well, he did have, what, 30,000, 300,000 soldiers? God said, yeah, I'm going to give you 300 warriors. That's what this church is to me. You're not warriors, W-O-R-R-I-E-R-S. You're warriors. A warrior, a warrior, warrior. How do you, I'm having a hard time saying warrior and warrior. I guess it's because I was born and raised in Oklahoma and lived in Texas the last 26 years. We're born to be warriors for the Lord, not warriors for the devil. It's another tool of the enemy. But what would it be like if you wrote everything down and you came up here and nailed it on the cross? And you said, when I wake up in the morning, no more. What would it be like to say, yes, Lord? It's not by my might. It's not by my power. It's by your spirit. Because when you and I are in denial like I was and saying, God, I can't do that. What you're asking me to do is humanly impossible then I'm still operating in my might, my power, and my strength, and not by his spirit. You see, delayed obedience is instant disobedience. See, we always know what we're supposed to do before we know how God's going to do it. The what always comes before the how. But when we transpose those and immediately go, well, God, how could I ever do this? How could I? How could I? How could I? I think what got Adam and Eve in trouble in the garden was going over that tree and say, how come we can't eat that one? We, we, we want to know. Here's the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's the tree of life. There was everything they had need of. But Satan focused their attention on the one thing they couldn't have. Isn't it interesting that many times our life is that way? The devil's always going to show you something somebody else has and make you desire it through the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. See, fear feeds on excuses and disobedience. Fear feeds on excuses and disobedience. 99% of failures are because those who have perfected the art of making excuses. Turn to the person next to you and say, I know somebody like that. Don't be pointing any fingers. You see, athletes, any kind of performer, no matter what your entertainment art, your skill, whatever it is, if you're on a stage or a platform they practice and they practice and they practice 
and they practice and they practice and they practice because on performance day, they better be ready. There'll be no excuses. And we're going to have a performance day. And how we do on that day and that moment is determined by what we're willing to accept responsibility for while we're here. The more responsibility you accept in your life, the less you'll be held accountable for on that day. For athletes who make excuses versus athletes who don't make excuses, they accept responsibility and press and drive and desire and pursue excellence to rehearse and rehearse and practice and practice and study and study. They want to be a champ. They want to be a champion. But those who make excuses will never become a champ. They'll just be a chump. And the only difference between a champ and a chump is you. You see, it's hard work and discipline and sacrifice is what makes you effective and successful in life. Is this word okay? I know it's not as strong as Joaquin, but you see what you're doing is your your heart to serve is a is going to leave a legacy to the next generation. That's what I love about this church. Many of you kept asking, well, Jack and Betty are here from Thursday to Monday. When are the services? And every night they wanted to know, is there a service tonight? Is there a service tonight? Well, there was. And there's service today, and you're here. And our purpose in meeting with the staff and meeting with, with a small group last night was to express our heart and our love for the way you've served us. It's really hard when, when you're a leader of a ministry and you want to give and you want to serve to be served. It's quite humbling. And, you know, what, a, what? I haven't done anything to deserve this. I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for what Christ did. So I never want accolades. It's, it's humbling and, and uh, it's really tough because they, you treat me and, and Betty like we're somebody, somebody special. Thank you. And it runs through and through this church. It's not just 11 people or 17 and a half or whatever. It's just not their, it's not just their family. It's just not Nick, Josh, and Brandon, and Christina, Yvette. See, the characteristics of the kingdom emanate from the king. That's why they're that way. Because the characteristics of their king are emanated into their family. 
and they've passed that on to you. Yeah, it's tough to sacrifice and give it all. But is it worth it? Is it going to be worth it? Is the legacy and tradition that you're establishing in your life and your family, is it going to be a legacy worth passing on? Because your children, your family may not always do what you say, but they'll always do, they'll always imitate you and do what you do. See, Jesus, Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In the 18th verse, he said, all things are of God who has um, reconciled us to himself through or by Jesus Christ and hath given to us. The us is what he referred to in 17th verse, which is those who are born again, establishing that now old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's to those who have allowed God to transform their life. Here's what's been given to us. We've all been given the same ministry. You have different gifts and talents and callings, but we all have the same ministry of reconciliation, reconciling men to God through Christ Jesus. And the Amplified Bible says that the ministry of reconciliation is that by our words and our deeds. That's what might bring others into harmony with him. We are accountable for every word and deed. The legacy of spring of life is loving God so much that you're willing to give your all. Not just to each other. Listen to me. Don't be guilty of this. It's easy to love on each other inside these four walls. But do you love on the world the same way? The only difference between them and you and I is they've lost their hope. But we have this promise that Christ in us is the hope of glory. It's the only hope God has. It's the only hope for the world. It's the only hope you and I have. You and I must give our best. It must be sacrificial giving. The power in this church is in the heart to serve and not make excuses. Last March at the intense conference, 50-some-odd men and young men chartered a bus and came all the way to Schulenburg, Texas, to the Jordan Ranch. All those men gathered around. I was sitting in the rocking chair outside my room at the ranch. All you men, all 54 or 58 of them, came up there and sat down on the patio all around me. I felt like every one of them were my sons and my grandsons. I sat there probably for 45 minutes or an hour and shared my heart with them. They came out of there that day with a commitment and they asked me to make a video before we left because they had a bus 
with 54 or 58 men in it. And here's that message. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Can Let me ask you a question before they come up. What's your excuse for not coming Tense Men 2014? All these men and young men, fathers and sons, they thought every reason in the world why they couldn't come is a long bus ride. Whining about this, whining about that. You know God doesn't understand why in these. So quit whining. Quit making excuses. Get up out of your seat and go back and register for Intense 2014. If you don't want to get intense, then I'm going to drop you for push-ups next time I'm in Miami. And I will have a group of men helping me make you drop and do push-ups. But that's a challenge that God spoke last March. And it's ironic. I had forgot about it until Ariel brought it up to me. But I want to ask you to stand as we close the service. I know there's people waiting to get in for the next service. Has this been a good word? I want to close with this song. Because until we get to this place where we're lost without him and desperate for him, We'll just keep making excuses and just living life and not living it more abundantly. And if today you want to take every excuse you've ever made and nail it to the cross, the way you do that is to sing with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and say today, would you say this? Today, no more excuses, devil. I want to fulfill your will, Father, your purpose in my life. No more excuses. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that dwelled in Him, dwells in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. God bless you.